This is Living Stories, featuring voices from the collections of the Baylor University Institute for Oral History. I'm Louis Mazet. The origins of Americans riding the rails in search of work trace back to shortly after the Civil War, when ex-soldiers and others sought work on the frontier. Their numbers rose sharply during the Great Depression, when jobs and money were scarce. These hobos became common sites in transportation hubs like Waco. Charles and Ruth Armstrong, both longtime Waco residents, explained their impressions of hobos during the 30s. Most of them was good people. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like the homeless. They wouldn't have to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. At that time, see, it wasn't anything unusual. I mean, everybody was in about the same boat. See, they called them hobos Everybody regardless. was having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Some of them was hobos mm-hmm. all they wanted to be, kind of like homeless. Mm-hmm. Some of them, mm-hmm. And some of them was traveling south to get out of the cold or mm-hmm. get them a job. Mr. Armstrong describes how hobos communicated with each other. Uh-huh. And what they do, they'd venture off from the tracks down there and come to the neighborhood and come to your house and knock on the door and say, I'm going to so-and-so, catch a train down here and say, I need something to eat. And mm-hmm. Mama never turned on by down. They'd go down as far as they could. And what they'd do, they'd, they'd mark, they'd have some chalk or an old chalk rock. They'd mark a spot on the house, you know, mm-hmm. on not on the house but on the curb, if they had a curb or a sidewalk. And as they'd go back, they, they'd keep it marked, and these guys would come in, mm-hmm. and, and they'd know where to go get something to eat. They'd know that woman there or a man could feed them, mm-hmm. and, and they'd, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd keep it marked. And one guy might feed the 10 or 12 guys a month, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, and the way else would never get, they'd go to the house, and they didn't get anything, they wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't mark him or put a zero or something there. The way families treated hobos made strong impressions on their children, as Waco philanthropist Bernard Rappaport recalls. We lived by the railroad tracks, you know, we were very poor. And these hobos, in the, third, at the 29, 30s, you know, every third, hobos would come to buy the house, and Mama would give them a peanut butter sandwich. And one day I said to Mama, I mean, I said, Mama, some of these people don't deserve that sandwich. She says, it's better to feed all than to miss one that needs. Now, I mean, now she imbued that kind of philosophy within me. And so if somebody needs help and I help them, and they fool me and, and I lose, that doesn't discourage me. I know, I think, well, the next guy won't do that. Although the railroad industry has dramatically changed since the 30s with faster trains and fewer lines, hobos still exist, although the stringent security measures put in place after 9-11 nearly wiped out the practice. The current economy has seen hobos on the rise again, but to a tiny fraction of the estimated one and a half million men, women, and children who rode the rails during the darkest days of the Great Depression. Living Stories is heard every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on 103.3 FM, Waco's NPR. For more information about this program or the Institute for Oral History, visit us at baylor.edu livingstories.